Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christianity with conviction, compassion, and courage. I'm Peter Tragos, here as always, and Aaron Kearns with me. Who do we have today? Big group, full table. Full table today. We have, okay, look, I, I say this as nicely as I can. I, I'm, I'm always awkward in these intros, so I'm, I, call, my favorite I, call, part. I call myself a recovering Baptist. We have a recovering Catholic on the podcast today, okay? Yes. Is that okay? That's fair. Yes. All right, yeah. Better Renee, than your last introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Renee, Renee Young back with us. I uh, decided to have Renee and mm-hmm. her her uh, eight on the Enneagram opinions. It's going to yes. be awesome. And we also have Tabby Griffith, wife of one of our elders. She's been on a couple of podcasts before. Recovering Arminian. Recovering Armenian. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? (laughs) Yes, we are. All right. So we're going to have to discuss Armenian versus Calvinism at some point this season. Anyway, and then we also have superpowers back on the podcast today. Recovering pagan. 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 Didn't grow up in the church. Yeah. Awesome. Again, aren't we all? And and Peter. (laughs) Recovering from everything. So (laughs) here we go. All right. So today we've got a heavy topic. Mm. This is not heavy. No, at all. it's not heavy. This is so simple. This could be like two minutes. This is fun. I, I don't know. No, I'll, we'll, I'll we'll probably, make it complex. I'm, we'll I'm probably we'll going to disagree. I think with everybody. Um, but today we're going to talk about children in the worship gathering. I, I don't know how we're going to frame the question necessarily. Is it biblical? Is it the only appropriate way to worship? Is it preferred? We're going to get into that. But just to start off, Aaron, why don't you talk about why we're doing a podcast on this? Why this is even something worth discussing? It is probably the number one thing practically that I have made the most ladies angry about in our church over the last, call it seven or eight years, Um, because of a position. It's not even really a position that we take. It's just, and I think we're going to get into it, but look, if you have a kiddo who's sitting with you and they're quiet and they're coloring and they're listening, fine, no issue. When your kid is bouncing off the walls and they're talking and they're distracting people, which let's just be real, is distracting souls from hearing the word of God and being changed and transformed, that's problematic. So we just asked, hey, you know. Adam's already shaking his head. Hey, you know what, man? Hey. Shaking. So, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into what I think is best, but but that is why it's an issue is because a lot of churches, uh, so so there there is kind of this, um, this groundswell of Christians today who are saying we want family integrated worship. We want our kids in for the entire service, music, preaching, communion, everything um, from a young, even from, from infancy, toddlers all the way up. And then there are churches that you walk in the front door, kids go one way, adults go the other way, and you don't see each other for two hours. And so th- there's a diversity of opinion of what is best, what is appropriate, even what's biblical. And that's why we're discussing this today. Adam, why don't you just kick us off? What do you think? What do you think? I, I mean, I'm more in agreement than my head shake probably okay. would say. All right. I just think that uh, I don't think it's healthy or biblical for families to walk into Sunday worship or whatever day you have on, walk, walk into worship and go separate separate directions. It goes against the whole idea of the family. It goes against the whole idea of, I think, what God intends to do with the family at gathered worship. Um, and I think... If you have an operation where kids go separate from the parents right away, as soon as you walk in the door, your church more reflects American values than biblical values. 
Um, though I'm not one to say that the kids should be in for the entire service. The sermon is so important. It needs to be uh, cared for and protected. So, I mean, our our pattern at Sunrise, families walking together, and then at sermon time, the kids go to their own classes where All they ages. have teaching, uh, just uh, one-year-old to fifth grade. Okay. Every other kid stays in, the littlest of the little and sixth grade and on. Okay where they can receive teaching that is suited to their It is different because you want to baptize all of them already, right? Totally. Sorry, different podcast. Different podcast. (laughs) Right on. Okay, so so to you, there's a distinction to where they come in for part of it and then leave. Yeah. Okay. Um, And we'll get into why it's important to you after. But Tabby, as someone with a bunch of kids, Um, how do you feel about this and why? Yeah, a bunch. So it was something that I hadn't really given too much thought until the last couple of weeks because we... um, went down to South Florida to see family. And my brother's church actually does this where they have nursery, but anyone older than five sits in in the service. And so when he told us that, I thought, well, my girls will be fine. They're seven and eight and they did okay. Um, And I knew, you know, they'd be quiet, but Jeff had said to them, you know, like, I encourage you to listen. And I We'll give each of one. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but he's like, I'll give each of you a dollar if you can tell me like what. <coughs> That's a good 28 elder right there. Yeah, bribery. At Very its Roman best. Catholic of him, but go ahead. It so, is. Oh we gosh. pay for those. <laughs> it's just encouragement. Well, just, well, it's just they encouragement. No, no, no. They live basically. <laughs> it's an indulgence. Now the last podcast makes so much more sense. Oh, no, okay. but they had never done that before. Sure. So he's like, you know, listen and yeah. be able to tell me. So, of course, you know, the oldest, she told him like completely what was said. She was able to listen. And then, you know, our younger one, she's able to sit quietly, but has no idea what was even said. So having that experience and you asking me to be on the podcast was really the first time that I've really thought like, well, should it, should we have them in there? Like, what does the Bible say about it? And, you know, I do think that in our culture, a lot of times, whatever's like easiest and most convenient for us is what we do for our children whether that's right or wrong. So like if you go to a restaurant, you're going to bring your iPad for your kid to sit and be quiet just because that's easier than like instructing them how to act and behave in public. So I think the same could be said about church. You know, like people would argue like they're going to be such a distraction and they can't sit quietly. But I don't think that we should necessarily replace what's right with like parental ease. And so... I don't know. I feel like I'm in the middle of sure. like I can see, you know, some at a certain age point and certain children could sit in. Mm-hmm. But like Aaron's saying, like it would be really distracting to a lot of shots fired in that answer. Just kind of uh, under, under the radar. Just I was going to say, Renee, fired. we got a word cut out for us because Adam's dropped a bomb. We just dropped a quotable bomb with the whole <laughs> right over I think Adam's ease, so. quoted Dumbledore. Yeah. We have to choose between what's right and what's easy. Golly, are we going to get through a single podcast? We can't get through one podcast. I think Powers forgets that this is videoed because his facial expressions just say everything. Sorry, they're loud. That's one of the things I love, though. I love it. All right, Renee, what do you got? I mean, I don't love it. I don't love having kids in church. I mean, I think they should. I think having like little ones in for worship is awesome. I mean, kids like singing and they can watch, you know, the whole family can worship together. Um but like, you know, you think your three-year-old is delightful and every sound they make is, 
you know, manna to your ears. But I promise you, everyone around you does not think that. They just don't. Um, Kids can be super distracting in the service. And I think it's okay for families to say, and for society or church or whoever to say, you know what, this is something that is sacred and reverent and set apart. Um, And when you're old enough to take it seriously, you can participate in this thing, right? When you're old enough to be mature and have a real conversation about it, you know, then we can do that. Um, On a practical, practical level, like I think my kids have been pretty well trained to like sit quietly and kind of like yours. But like not everything in service is appropriate for little ears. There's been some sermon illustrations that have especially not at our church. At our, I mean, especially our church. <laughs> Again, powers. Um, but no, I mean, when we were talking, talking about, about you know atrocities that Nazis committed, there were some mm. really colorful examples. I promise, if my kids had heard them, they would have been in tears. Right? Even some of the sermon bumpers can be a, a lot for a sensitive seven year old. That's Jeff's so, fault. That's yeah. Jeff's fault. But I think, you know, if we're saying, you know, we want kids five and up in the service, then as a pastor, you're saying everything in my service is appropriate for a five-year-old to hear. And I just don't think that's true. I think mm-hmm. I think the argument can be made that everything in the Bible isn't necessarily something that that parents are ready to explain to their five and six, seven-year-old. I'm in like our second year as a church plant, we had like 60 people and I preached on Hosea too. Like, how do you preach Hosea too without using the word whore and prostitute? And yet a mom was upset because like their eight-year-old was in service. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like, I mean, right. do we just avoid passages of scripture that the the whole book of Judges? Like, do we just avoid this stuff? Um, and so, Esther. yeah. And then I think I can say this, but Correct. you said you Preaching said at, when you were down south, there was there was adult language used in in story form of something that mm-hmm. happened in church history that mm-hmm. you're like, oh dang, did Maddie and Isla hear that? Because, yeah, it went over their head. Yeah, but and I didn't see that coming. Yeah, but yeah, there was no censorship for the children. Like it was right, what and it's hard for a, for a pastor. It's either you bring it down to a level where it's not as raw and unfiltered now, and you can't talk a lot about some biblical texts or, or or illustrations from church history, or you keep doing that and you risk introducing children to something that their parents are perhaps not ready to introduce them to. And I think in general we should be playing up, right? Like we should be preaching up and playing up and expecting everyone to kind of rise to the academic standard and to be able to take things. And so if you're watering it down, not watering it down, but you know what I mean? Filtering you're self-censoring and filtering because, you know, how can we discuss lust with six-year-olds in the room? You know, yeah. how can we discuss some of these concepts? I mean, I think I wouldn't want to be in a service where it's constantly self-filter, where you're having to like really think, man, there's a lot of five-year-olds in here today. Like, how can I discuss Rahab without discussing her profession and things like that? You know, I just don't know that that's best for the entire church. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, I have to write. Take the wheel, I guess. I'm not taking the wheel, man. I'm I'm just, I'm just navigating. I'm I'm the navigator. Cause I'm a, I would, so I understand what Renee is saying and I get what everybody's saying here. I think what is best, and I'm not going to say what's biblical, even though there are clearly instances. And I want to get to them. I want to get to what the Bible says about this. There are clearly instances where Paul writes important. the entire church yeah. <laughs> that they're assembled together and he addresses children. And so there were children mm. of ages in the gathering. So there's clear instances of that. So that argument has been made. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a strong argument because they could have just been brought in for the gathering. I think we have very little from early centuries of the church of how they did this with children. But I think what would be best is that my kids, from the point that they can understand, be in service and trust the providence of God that things are supposed to fly over their head, fly over their head. And if they do hear something and they say, what does that word mean? What does what does prostitute mean? That we, with biblical prudence, godly discernment, can introduce them to concepts yeah. that before the world introduces them to that. So I think that's what would be best, um, is if our children were actually from three, four up, we're in for the entire gathering, including the preaching. That's that's my opinion. What culturally that doesn't work. 
Like, so I, I, to Tabby's point, I'm not saying that because it doesn't work culturally, we don't do what's best, but our kids have just been raised, even we were raised in a way that's very different than how Christians were raised a hundred years ago, even. I mean, a hundred years ago, you read like the kindergarten primer and they're reading on a level that no one reads on today. Um, and that they didn't have the iPads and the, and the monitors and the screens. They didn't have an attention span that is argued socially less than a goldfish now. And so like they, they, were, they were taught to sit and to listen. Also, preachers probably weren't nearly as like uh, uptight about noises from the crowd, from children and everything. I wonder why. But uh, <laughs> mm. yeah, they had nowhere else to send them. But, but I do think that there, there is something to be said, something very strong to be said, not for your child walking around church and banging on the walls and talking, but if they can behave themselves, if they can color, like Spurgeon, our seven-year-old, who's like best buddies with Isla, um, comes in now for, at Building 28, we have uh, I think from first grade through fifth, but they come in for the music. And if we do communion before the sermon, they're in for that. And then they leave. And Spurgeon interacts with me almost every week on what he observes in the gathering from people that we have a sign language ministry in second service. So he watches that guy. I think it's incredible for our kids to see the church ministering in service to one another, Colossians 3, singing to one another in Psalms and hymns, um, seeing the church take communion and, and asking the questions, why are we doing that? There's something very powerful about that. And I think it can, if they're well-behaved, extend to the sermon as well. So that's kind of my position on this. Um, I don't think it's wrong. Clearly, we have a children's ministry. I think that's good. But I think um, if I had it my way, which I don't have to sit with my son, my wife does, um, since I'm preaching, but if I had it my way, he'd probably just be in for the whole service. Adam, did you have something you wanted to say? It sounded like you did, or looked like you did, I should say. I, do, you have a, do you have a question? That well, I want to know, so what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the biblical backing to your position? Did you, I assume you prayed about it, read the Bible, tried to figure out what was best yeah. for your church yeah. when setting this up, and where did you fall down, and what did you... Where did you fall down? Where did you fall on? What scripture did you fall on? It's losing me there. Where did you come down on and how did you get there? So when you ask the question, what does the Bible say about this? You, I would respond with another question. Show me a point in the Bible where it, the children are excluded from the worship of God's people and you won't find it. Let the children come is the grand phrase, I think, from the lips of our Savior and it takes us right back to the beginning that God in the history of the world works through families. Adam and Eve was a family before they had children, but then children came. Abraham was a family that became a nation. And that nation eventually fulfilled in the church became a holy nation made up of families. And so I'm, I'm not one to mandate this because this is not a hill to die on. Like some of the modern movement makes it out to be. Um, guys that uh, and gals that we respect that are very helpful in certain regards make family-integrated worship a hill to die on, and it is not a helpful thing to do to make it that. But I do think that what's best, if you think it's best, that should be our practice. And I think that the Western church is something of a novelty in history in this regard. If you go to almost any other country outside the West, that's not going to be happening. Uh, kids are going to be there and they're going to be loud and it's going to be part of the culture. I mean, I get that our culture is different, but perhaps this is one way where the church should not follow cultural norms and should push against it um, because our culture already is anti-family. The church should be one to... Um, 
But do you think there's something too about doing what's best for everyone, like spiritually, biblically, what is the best environment for someone to grow and be fed and even be saved? Or are we just trying to control it too much? Like, are we trying to set up a quiet environment, which is best for every, all the adults to listen, and then also setting up a children's church, which is best for them to learn and be fed and potentially become Christians and evangelize to our children? Is that a better way? Or are we trying to control too much? Because I think there's an element, I mean, we all believe here that it's totally up to God. He's totally sovereign. He chooses who goes to heaven. I'll pause there. No, no, no. And, and uh, you know, we, we all believe that. I know. And we we yeah. all believe that. And so, I mean, are we trying to control too much by by not, you know, making Aaron annoyed up on stage because he hears a kid banging the wall or like Renee sitting next to the kid banging the wall, getting annoyed? I'm just asking. I don't <laughs> well, know. God, are God's we trying to do too much or what? Salvation does not negate. Okay. We all know this human culpability. And so... Um, that would be like going to a soft gospel or false gospel church and being like, well, they can get saved because God's sovereign. They could because they hear enough of the gospel in there, but we wouldn't we wouldn't say, hey, keep going to that church. And so in the, in the same token, we would not want 80 kids in the service running all over the place. If you were here for Christmas Eve this past oh, year. I think Adam you know, might disagree, though. I mean, I think that he's saying if you go certain places and that's exactly how the culture is where they're running around everywhere and that could be OK. And maybe we shouldn't. Certain cultures it is. So maybe if, we shouldn't if, try to back off If you off go so to much. church in Africa, you're there with the whole family. It's noisy the whole time. Not just the kids time. that are noisy there though, right? And it's, right. So, so Luther and Calvin in their congregations in the 16th century preached over whiny kids no, and No, they had veggie tales. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> and fights that broke out in the congregation. Calvin kept on preaching. And things like this. Obviously, that's not ideal. You want everyone to be paying attention, right? But to, to be clear, and I and I'm not I'm not saying this in a snarky way because I don't know. We haven't really talked contextualization, hmm. and I know Ligonier is not a big fan necessarily broadly of contextualization. We are though here, and so we believe you should minister in culturally appropriate ways to reach the people in the culture that have been trained by the culture to hear and sure. understand and learn to certain a certain ways. point. To a certain point, never by compromising the gospel, but always understanding. So if I'm in Africa, I should not be troubled as a preacher to right. stand in a congregation of hundreds of people with a bunch of kids and they're screaming and yelling. Which you have before, right? You've sh yes, shared yes. experiences where it's been crazy. It's where been, been crazy. Like we, we've gone to South America, we've gone to Africa and Russia. When we were in Russia, the kids were in service. Okay, like that, was, that was normal. But in the States, we have set up the gathering and at least at Building 28, we've kind of set it up. People have, we have a lot of former pastors who come and they say the teaching is kind of like seminary level for them. Like they love it. Like they they love that. Like you would not go to a seminary class, which granted seminary classes are for information primarily. The gathering, I would argue, is for transformation Bad primarily. seminary classes. Um, <laughs> but you wouldn't go there and then expect kids to be in that with you while you're trying to learn and take notes and like process really deep and intrinsic truths about the gospel. So that's why I think cultural. I don't. I think I don't think we can dismiss that. Hey, just trust it's culturally what's acceptable. That's bad. I don't think that's that's necessarily the case at all. I don't. I don't want to be uh, have the appearance of saying that we should not contextualize. Contextualize. You can't even whatever. say it, bro. You're so reformed. You can't say it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm yes and amen to everything you're saying, but I fear that when we set up a practice in our congregations where the family just goes separate directions from the way out. We major on the adults and we settle for less with the kids and stick them in front of veggie tail crap. We get it. You're a homeschool proponent. Let's get to, to, to Tabby and, 
<laughs> that was very dismissive of him. No, I, I, I get it. And and I think we've, we've kind of gone through that. I want to hear from you guys. Would it be a deal breaker if a church was 100% one way or the other? Meaning like all the kids in service the whole time, or you walk in the door and somebody takes your kids away and you walk in and you walk into service. I'd pay extra to go to this second. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no, no. I mean, I homeschooled, so I get it. No, no, no. Where they're giving out vaccinations at the door. Absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. All right. A little microchip, right. everybody. No, I mean, I think, I think if it was too legalistic in either direction, I wouldn't be for sure. that. Right. I think your parental agency would include if I decide my kid, because I have had Nora sit in service. Like when we came back from COVID, she was really freaked out and like kind of clingy and didn't want to go to kids service. And that's fine, right? I double checked to make sure that that night sermon was going to be appropriate. Yeah. Yes. Like make sure there wasn't going to be anything crazy. And then I made, you know, the parental decision to have her in service that day. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think we should be forcing people one way or the other. I don't think as a mom, right, if I have made the decision to bring my kids into service and then somebody comes up and they're like, hey, you got to go. I'd be like, what? Well, if there was you know? no children's church, you would have no choice. I'd have no choice. Right. But on the other hand, if there was absolutely no children's programming and I was in a service full of distracting children, I would probably not come to that service. Right. And really? So was, like, it's too distracting. I mean, it would drive What do you crazy. think, Gabby? I feel the same way as Renee. I mean, it wouldn't be a deal breaker for me if everything, like the theology is on point. Um, it would be really difficult to have my three-year-old, my almost three-year-old in with me. But... Um, it wouldn't be a deal breaker. You would just have to adjust and, you know, you go from there. But I think another thing that you were talking about earlier with um, the service being like not at a level that children can understand, I think an argument against that is that like we should be training them throughout Absolutely. the week. Like you can give them their more age appropriate stuff at like bedtime, like conversations and devotionals and going like catechizing them. And then if it's not on their level on a Sunday, this, I am completely in the middle of this. Like I see both sides, like an argument towards having them in there is just that like, if they're not understanding it, it's not on their level, you know, they're being exposed to it. And like Aaron was saying, like, you know, they're asking those questions, you know, like, what does that mean? Or, you know, I don't know. So just from personal experience, and I can like remember back being a kid in the big service with a big Baptist church and an old Baptist preacher that my parents loved, it was like utterly a waste of time. I mean, I, I just from my personal experience, there was absolutely zero absorption taken. I wanted to leave. I wanted to go to lunch. I wanted to do whatever. And I loved going to children's church. And I have no idea why sometimes we ended up in service. It wasn't like an age thing because children's church, I'm pretty sure went all the way up to high school. But yeah, I, I hated it and I got nothing out of it. I feel like when your child is at an appropriate age, kind of like what Aaron was talking about, that's kind of my thought now as a dad, is if they can get something out of it, uh, I'm kind of the opposite of Jeff. Instead of giving a dollar, I'm, you don't get punished if you pay attention and know I what's happening. I shouldn't have outed him for that. He's he's he might be mad. Yeah, he might be mad. Um, my kids are going to come up to Jeff and be like, can I tell you yeah, to get a dollar? Like, <laughs> Jeff's going to have to carry. I had, there was a guy that carried around $2 bills whenever you'd say something to him. Jeff needs to start being like that. But I would agree with Aaron that when it's age appropriate and I do think they can get something out of it, um, but I don't think it's anywhere near three or four years old. Um, like I think my seven, almost eight year old daughter's kind of at that point now. Um, and she likes being in with the music for, for part of it, like at our church, which I don't think we've said yet, you're in through fifth grade or first through fifth grade. Or did you say that already? Yeah. In through the music and communion. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. You said that. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. I think that that's cool because they get to experience part of it. I'm, I'm always a fan of children's church where they're together as a group, kind of like we are. And then they split into classes with their own age appropriate stuff, which is cool. It teaches them 
the, to gather as a congregation of people of all ages and they can deal with the other younger kids being distracting. But, you know, I, I like that because I think it's what's best for us as adults and for them as kids. That's kind of my goal and thought process is what is best for the spiritual walk of the flock, right? And I think that's the only way I can think about attacking this question is I do think that I'm not going to say I agree with Renee um, to go that far and pay extra, but, uh, but you but never I, do. I, you I never think, do. I do think having all the kids in service, like just think about our home group, like Tabby's in our home group, Aaron's in our home group. We have a million kids in our home group. It's insane. It we have crazy. a separate room they're locked in and it's still insane that we can hear them screaming. We have some of them outside and it's so loud and can be really distracting as well. And they're asking for mommy or daddy or whatever. And if you're sitting next to them, it'll just be that much worse, especially when they're two and three years old where they're old enough to talk and move around and not babies just being held. So I think it's a hard kind of line to walk. And in a utopian society where they're all, you know, well-behaved children and trained to be quiet and sit there maybe, but I still think it's a waste for them. Like I think if my four-year-old sat in service the whole time, I think he could be good and quiet sitting in service with enough, enough threats or or promises of something good at the end. But what's the point of that to me? Right. Like, let's get to that because it yeah. seems like you yeah. two feel like there's a point to that, to the family being together in the gal in the in the um, service. What what is the point to that? What is the benefit to that? What is good for my four year old and for me to be worried if he's going to bother somebody the whole time being in the service in um, its totality? Let me say that I sympathize with what Tabby said because when I hear good arguments made both sides of this, I fly there because parents in the West in Christianity in the West have completely offloaded their responsibility to be the primary disciple makers of their children. Yeah. Like they just totally have. And so I think a, a very sound argument can be made that if my four or five, e Evie is my four-year-old, she's a wild child. But if she's set in service and I'll be, I'll be straight up. Like what I, the, the philosophy that I'm espousing here is not what we do. Um, we send her, um, I think every child is different. Spurgeon could have set in a service at four much more easily yeah. Than, yeah. than Evangeline can. Um, but I do think if Evie was in there, or Spurgeon, when he was younger, and even now, um, and we, whether you want to reward, and I don't see a problem with that, like you're not rewarding for like, hey, pray the sinner's prayer, and I'm going to give you something. You're just rewarding for for under, uh, listening and paying attention, coloring. Um, uh, I've had parents that say, draw something like that you hear from the preacher, and hopefully it's not one of those sermons, right, Renee? <laughs> um, but uh, but I think, I think there's something to be said, and that you can then be very proactive, like Tabby said, of talking to your kids after service about what they did sure. learn, the little tidbits they picked up on, um, talking to that in family devotional time in the evening. And so to be clear, if my child or your child, anyone's child is wild and talking and running around and banging on stuff and even just sitting in the seat and talking, like that's not appropriate for the gathering. I don't believe that's appropriate, in, in, especially in our context here in the suburbs. Um, that's not appropriate. That doesn't work. I think you could find inner city context where that might work, um, but it wouldn't work for our context. And so we would say no. But if, if you are pouring into your child and you have a child that could be in the gathering, I think it is better, I once again I would argue best, that they remain in the gathering at six or if seven. If they're or just eight. coloring. You think it's best if they're just coloring rather than going and learning from on if, their level some gospel-centered truth. If we, and I'm, I'm applying this to us because I'm not applying it to the entire church, but if my wife and I are going to be proactive 
after church Sunday afternoon to talk with our kids about what the preacher, what did, what did pastor, what did your dad talk about? Um, but what, what, what did you learn in the church today? What did you hear in the church today? I think that there is great value in that. Um, we typically do communion after the sermon here. Yeah. I think there's great value in children being excluded. And when I say excluded, not, not being able to take the elements, but watching their parents take 100%. the elements I think that and was under, huge understanding yeah. like how, like, like why this is important and, and, and so sacred. And so I think there's, there are things, I, I, look, I will say this, the one church I could not go to at Clear Conscience is a church that takes my kids right when I walk in the door and gives them crap during service. Sure. Like, uh, doesn't teach them mm -hmm. the gospel. We use the gospel project here. There's a lot of good gospel resources out there. Yeah. So as long as my children are learning the word on their level, and I agree with Tabby, like they can learn on their level in church or they can learn from the pastor and then learn on their level at home mm -hmm. as they should be doing. But um, that's the one church I can go to. I could probably maybe go to a church like I was talking about could. where there's, there's probably not. And like, I, don't I'm, think, I'm, I definitely don't think you could preach at that church. Oh, I have preached at that church. I mean, as your church as every Sunday. Yeah, yes, that, that's that would, my point. That would be problematic. Yeah. But, um, so it's convoluted for me. Like there's a lot, there's a lot in play here. And um, we're talking about young souls and like shaping them. And I think more than anything else, parents need to be extremely proactive and thoughtful about how they're going to raise and train their children. And the parents need to decide for themselves based on each child uh, with, with careful consideration, not just an offloading of responsibility. And we hit that on the, the schooling episode, homeschool, private school, public school, whatever, that nothing is a substitute for your job as parents to catechize your kids, right? And that would fall in the same vein, whether they're in service the whole time or in children's shirts or whatever. What do you think is the benefit of having your kids at any age, if you think it, if you don't, then let me know if you just agree with what Aaron said. But do you think there's a benefit of having a three-year-old in there quietly coloring the whole time as opposed to uh, whatever they do in Gospel Project for three-year-olds? So this <laughs> is a convoluted issue for, for me too. I, I don't want to be painted as the family integrated guy. But you happen to be in this one, so give us the argument <laughs> for it. The, the only moment in our congregation where the kids are out is the sermon. So they're in for the beginning. I mean, they'd fall asleep listening. All the music. No, not superpowers, man. He's amazing. He's amazing. If you haven't heard this guy preach. Isn't that the same time. what we do here? Well, we do communion post-sermon. Yeah, so, so after the sermon, on the weeks that we do the supper, the kids come back in to huh. watch it. That's so cool. not to partake. Right. But someone, uh, usually our assistant pastor... Um, I tell him before, at this sentence in the manuscript or this point in the sermon, go get the kids. Then they all come back in and watch. Um, oh, you're a manuscript preacher. Forget totally. what I said about him being a good preacher. Oh, I'm my sorry. gosh. So I'm <laughs> memorized. Hard today. So wow. I'm totally for, you know, kid involvement. But I do worry that kids that remain, especially in our culture, so contextualization, our culture uh, kids that are in that are difficult to deal with, if they grow up in a congregation that's 100% family integrated, they're only going to hear from their parents, be quiet. So their church experience as a kid is going to be, that That was like 10 years of my life where all I was told was what not to do. Not just that. Mm. As awesome as you guys both are genuinely, they're going to think it's boring. Yeah. They're going to grow up thinking yeah. church is boring. Unless they're not going like, to have friends at church. Yeah. Like it's just like, yeah. There are other aspects than the sermon for kids, in my opinion, that I like. Like my kids yeah. now have great friends at church that they love and mm. love hanging out with that, that I think is really important. And they think it's fun. Like they really like some of their teachers and they've become, you know, like dap it up. I love this guy. He's my, my son thinks one of his teachers is his best friend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Mr. Steve, if he's listening, is like Maverick's best friend. And he's, he's a guy that, te that teaches <laughs> in his three-year-old class. You know, I think that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and, you know, 
I think that you lose out on that when, like you're saying, you're just saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Did you listen? Did you hear what yeah. he said? You weren't even paying attention to what he, that's how I would be, unfortunately, because yeah, I have a problem. But, you know, I would want them to listen and pay attention and talk to them about it afterwards. So that that's kind of one of my issues. What What do you think is the best way to kind of integrate both as parents when you make these decisions, like we said, with school, with church, what do you think is the best way to integrate, you know, best practices in this area? I mean, I think it's tough because, at the end of the day, the one hour a week is not going to make or break your kid, right? Right? Like, it's really not. So I think one thing we try to do in our house is we try to take, at least I try to take some of the things that we're discussing in the adult service. And there isn't a lot of uh, overlap between like the gospel project and then what we're doing in service, right? So I think in an ideal scenario, they would be getting sort of a children's version of the same topic, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes that can be a hard bridge to get, but we do try. So I'll take today's topic and try to discuss it with the kids. Um, and then I also try to get out of them, you know, what did you do in class today? What did you do? Who did you talk to? What, you know, what did you learn about? But, you know, I think at the end of the day, right, like your ultimate responsibility to catechize your kids is with you. So whatever tools are in front of you or whatever tools the church offers, like it's up to you to make use of them. And I think a healthy mix of both is ideal. Like if I were saying what I think is right and what I prefer, you know, I like that we have our children in the worship and they're a part of that and seeing, you know, what the adults are doing. And then we send them to their age-appropriate lesson where they're learning like good content, good, you know, gospel, um, you know, messages from their teachers. And then we have had several sermons or um, services where there is no childcare, and so they have come in. So it has been a mix here. Like we had, you know, no childcare on Christmas Eve, which I know you were saying like that was wild and crazy. But for the older ones that could sit still, you know, they were able to hear at an adult level, um, you know. And like hopefully your kids can understand the Christmas story and the Easter story enough to where they're in service and they can get something out of it. But you know, even like the baptism night, like mm -hmm. I love that the kids sure. come in for that. Like I think there's certain like appropriate yeah. services that it is nice having them in there for them to see. And I don't know if this is right, but I feel like when there's something, I mean, my kids don't want to do anything more than what they can't do or aren't allowed to do or not old enough to do like chew gum or whatever, you know, then they want to do this so bad. And so I do think there's an aura of when you're ready, you can sit in and understand. And so they want to become ready. They do pay attention. They do want to listen and be quiet and, you know, take it in and talk about it afterwards. Cause I'll just do stuff with my daughter. Like, okay, you didn't want to talk about it afterwards or didn't pay attention, then, you know, you don't need to come back in next week or whatever it may be. And we talk about communion a lot, uh, which I liked that. I think it's a great yeah. conversation starter in helping with with catechizing your kids. Hmm. Um, so I think we kind of land on a spot where, longer than two minutes, power C. Um, we land on a spot where you're going to say something, Aaron? I, there's just a couple of things I would I would draw out. Okay. One, one with the family integrated crowd, and I hear you like the Vody crowd. Like I love Vody Bauckham. He's For amazing. Sure. He's sure. been so helpful in so many ways, but he is very strong on it's I think it's almost sinful if your kids are not in with you the he, entire time from he baby. He sees it as a hill to die on. Yeah, yeah. I mean For he sure. is. Mm -hmm. And what happens then, and I know what happens, like it's craziness, but um a lot of my friends who are these family integrated people, um, they're like, Well, we, our kids sit there and they listen and they color and they write, like I was talking about. What happens when an unsaved person with unregenerate children come in who have no experience in the church? And that is where I've actually I, – I, one, one of my friends um, was like, hey, I think we're going to transition to a family integrated church. Um, we want our children to be in the gathering with us. And I brought this up to him. Um, that only works typically for very small churches um, because once they get large, any any size at all, 100 people or more, um, 
and you have 20 kids, and let's say half of them are not used to church, not used to big church, not Christian, like there's no way of containing that. Like there's no there's no amount of threats that are going to work there, and and uh, the, where they're going to be bribes. quiet and be still. Like, this is not. Um, and I do go back to last November right after Thanksgiving. I was asked to preach at a church in North Alabama where my parents live, and Ash 29 Church went over because of COVID. They had not opened their children's service for first service. And that's where my son sat in. They didn't have enough volunteers. They only had enough for second service. So Spurgeon, my seven-year-old, sat in first service. And he said, and I preached on Hosea, by the way, Hosea 2. And he go said, he, go to he, said <laughs> he, he said to my wife afterwards, that was the boringest thing. Please don't ever make me sit and listen to daddy Ouch. again. Okay. But that then, can't be the first time you've heard that. Okay. And you know what? <laughs> Whitney says that every once in a while. But uh, no. Um, <laughs> Whitney almost wrote an email about. Um, how you handled childcare one time okay. as, as an Enneagram, whatever she is, you know, that, yeah, that, was, that had to be really right. bad. All right. But, <laughs> but I will say this after second service, I talked to Spurgeon that day and I was like, did you like being in service? And he's like, oh, it's okay. And he's, he's a people pleaser. So he was like to my wife, he's like, it was boring to me. He's like, oh, it was great. Um, but I was like, what did you learn? And he said, no, no joke. Just my seven year old said, he goes, I learned that, um, that guy, Hosea, uh, had a wife that was really bad. And that that's how Christians are when it comes to Jesus. And I was like, beautiful. There's some, good. there's something there <laughs> yeah. that stuck even in the midst of him going, it's because let's be real here for a second. Christianity is amazing. It is awesome. I'm, I'm all about being like entrenched in joy, but there is difficulty and there's hardship. That's, that's what Pilgrim's Progress is so much about. And I don't think that our children should be just taught that Christianity is all fun, that it has to all be fun. Like let's do a churches. We're going to have fun now, even if they are learning gospel, there is some discipline that is associated with Christianity that is tough. That's, that's arduous. And I think, uh, you know, not, I'm once again, I'm not advocating that children should always be in the gathering. Clearly that's not what we do here as a church. That's not what we even do in my family. But I think there is a case that can be made that just because it's not the most enjoyable thing in the world for a child, we would all argue as parents here that what's most enjoyable for our children is typically not even what's the best thing for them. Um, my, my kids would eat sugar all day long if they could, but I know I'm not going to let them do that as a loving father. And so while I take my children's concerns into consideration, I don't gauge how I'm going to parent them. And so I just go back to when we pray, we wrestle, we've all kind of admitted this is a complex issue. Mm -hmm. um, and we're all in process with this. And if we do a podcast a year from now on this, I might have a very different slant on how I want to do this because I take very seriously, as I know all of you do, and probably most of our listeners do, like the souls of my children. And I want what's absolutely best for them, which is not necessarily what's most fun oftentimes, but, but what is best for them. So it's just kind of a final question for Tabby and Renee. What do you feel like with the experience of your kids, what do you feel like is best for them after your conversations when they've sat in service or when they go to a children's church type of setup? I asked them both this morning what they thought of it. And, you know, the answers were different. It was, you know, Maddie enjoys both. She would enjoy coming into the adult service and she enjoys going to her children's class because you know, it's a good message. It's fun. She's with her friends. And then, you know, when I asked Isla, like, what do you like about church? I like that we get to run around after and I like that we get candy, you know, so it's two different kids. So I think for that, again, the answer is it's based on the child that you have. Maybe the decision for my family is to bring one of them in and to leave one of them out because that's what's best for them personally. You know, it doesn't have to be the same for, like you were saying, Evie and Spurgeon are completely different. But- yeah, just a healthy mix and knowing, you know, who you're dealing with. What did Reese say? 
she's a wild woman. (laughs) She'd be bouncing off the walls. I think for the younger kids, I think it's good that they are viewing church as fun. I know that's not the most important thing, but sure. right, it's a they have a positive view of exactly. it at a I young think that's age, important. right? A positive view of it. Nora has I'm a not positive dismissing view that. Of it. I'm just saying that's not primary. Right, but I, I know it's not primary, yeah. but I do think it it does create some inherent value for the kids, sure. right? And then in my house, not both mom and dad are going to church, right? So I do have this additional pull where if church is mm. super boring um, and daddy's at home eating pancakes, then it's even harder to get the kids to go, right? So the fact that they've made friends, they get to play pool a little bit afterwards, you know, they can sing a couple songs. I mean, I think that does have inherent value. I think once a kid hits middle school, though, they really do need to be like in the service. I think we do a huge disservice to young adults when they've been in children's church all through high school, right? And then we launch them out into the world and they've never been like in the fold, right? So I think at some point you kind of have to like come sit at the grown-ups Thanksgiving table. Mm. Um, But for the little kids, I do think there's a lot of value in making it fun for them. I'm glad you brought up that wrinkle because I think that's something very important. I I get it. I have friends who they they have a middle school or high school service all the way up. I I think that that's damaging. I don't don't think that's helpful um, for for our middle school and high school never to learn. And what we're seeing is a divorce once again around junior in high school – um, statistically, where that's where kids depart the church. They stop coming around their senior year, and they don't come back into their late 20s when they've had kids of their own. And part of that is they never learn what it meant to be like part of the church. They were just kind of part of a subdivision of the church, off middle school, high school, hanging out with their friends, on social media, maybe hearing a little talk here, listening to a youth band, and that was it. And uh, and I think there needs, uh, there needs to be serious consideration, obviously by parents, we talked about that, but by churches of when do we bring our kids in? It shouldn't just be, okay, elementary school, they can stay out. That's where you land. That's kind of where we land. That's fine. Um, but there should be uh, serious consideration given to when do we want to start integrating them into the life of the church so that they don't feel separated from that? Because that's what's happening. And I think that it's a big onus on the adults in the church and the parents of other kids to treat the middle schoolers or whoever may be in church as part of the big church family and talk them, say hi, invest them, wrap them in the service. Exactly. To make it so they don't feel like outsiders attached to their parents' hip while they're there, because that's probably not great for them. Right. Superpowers. Final thoughts on how people should consider and think about this and pray (laughs) through this. I would affirm everything that we've said. I think we've landed at a very healthy spot and best practices are going to look a little bit different. (laughs) (laughs) But- Maybe this will not be so refreshing. Here's a, here's a uh, grenade I could throw out. But right. as, as, as just final thought, I would encourage churches to reevaluate their youth programs. Sure. Um, oh, dang. If they do youth ministry in such a way where it dissolves the parents of any responsibility, fire the youth pastor. I agree there. If that youth pastor is not willing to readjust the entire ministry so that they're co-laboring along with the parents... Because I do agree with Vody Bacham when he says, so, so someone once asked him, uh, well, well, the position of youth pastor is not in the Bible. He said, yeah, it is. It's called father. And so that means youth ministry has to be done alongside the parents. Um, and it can never be done biblically so that the youth pastor is the replacement for the parents. I, I think we we would all affirm that. And that just should should encourage us with what we've all said. Let the children come, the souls of our littlest ones among us, the littlest members among us really, really matter. Awesome. Hey, you know what? 
I, I think we've we've wrapped this up. That's good. We've we've uh, we've hit everything that needs to be hit. I think so. Renee, it, it really is always refreshing. I, I love the someday energy. Peter's going to agree with me. I love. We were pretty close. <laughs> we were close. We were close. I, 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 I felt I a moment extra, there. I would pay happened. extra for my kids to get. I love, I love <laughs> the uh, I love the passion, Tabby. Always. Thanks I, for I, having I, me I back. I feel on. like our conversations are always enlightening and fun. <laughs> Superpowers. Good I can't here. say. I can't, say, always, I can't say enough good <laughs> things about you and your manuscripts. Oh gosh. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.